it's time for tournament and a tea break bonus edition you lucky lucky people um <laughs> one of one of the joys of having worked not only with mert for the, these two weeks but also chris otto is, is to work with um you know established and maybe less established sites uh that have been regular um uh, participants at grand slams now you know we know we're in for criticism. We know that if you if you set yourself in this in this field where you're putting stuff out, people are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" I, you know, I had somebody disagree with my giving Joe airtime for the eloquent words that she spoke about the scheduling mm-hmm. because they were annoyed that she lost. You know, so you're always going to get that. But you know, one of the common yes. criticisms that we get is, "How the hell do you get into into slams?" Yes. So we thought we'd actually sort of address some of the issues and and how it actually works for small sites like us to get into Grand Slams. Just to just to give you some idea of the fact that we don't just rock up with our suitcase in Paris for a two week holiday. Of course not. Yes. Um, so how do we get in? Well, you know, the for slams anyway, the accreditation process is a lot more long and drawn out than for tournaments that can be very last minute. Um, and if you've been a friend of the tournament, it's odds on that you can ring up the tournament director and say, look, hey, you know, I've I'll decided, yeah, I've de- I've decided no. to come, mm. you know, is it OK if I get a credential? So for us, the French Open credential um, process starts in March, I believe. Yes. Um, if you've been a regular, you quite often get a letter from the tournament saying, um, the credentials open. Here's your application forms. This is what you need to get in. Yada yada yada. I know you. I know we do for for Wimbledon. We, we do this. We, we, yeah, do, the this, we do the same. Yeah. So you need to get somebody in your uh, organisation. Uh, so the chief of the organisation to um, fill out all the details, send it in. Uh, it's not just a question of filling it out for yourself and sort of saying, "Hey, I fancy going to a Grand Slam. Yeah. Yay, let me in." That's no, you not need a le- you need a letter yeah. of uh, like letter of intent or, or, yeah. or some letter from the head editor. Correct. You need you need scans of your previous work that you need to upload. You know, so so it's it's a process, and it's and once you do all that, it's not a guarantee that you get accepted. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I remember the first time I applied, I was chatting with a, a friend and. She actually came out with the idea of um, if you're going to apply for the French Open, look for articles uh, for tournaments that you've done sponsored by BNP Paribas, which I thought was an excellent idea. Yes. But then, of course, now that you're in, uh, the easiest thing to do is to put in. Um, I mean, I think I think it's uh, five um, articles that you five have to. Of them. So we always pick five articles, the the five best articles that we did in the in the run up to the finals, yeah. and and send those up. And obviously, because we're a British site primarily, we look for. Um, stuff that focuses on on brit performances right so and, and then same so, uh, the last one i did for example i sent in uh, the last five articles that i that i did either on clay court tournaments or on french open from last year or, or the preview of the french open upcoming and then then or maybe even an article about a french player yeah know, just so just so they get they see that i do research and 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 um and we don't just put out say oh he's a great guy he's a great player and, and he'll have a big forehand so therefore he'll win no we, you know, we do research and it's not just, uh, you know, me looking it up on the internet on Google, a couple of information and just writing a one page quick article. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody, to be honest with you, can like get hold of uh, match notes and just like churn that stuff out. And it's, it's not about 
churning out the stats that you get given it's being able to to sort of manipulate them so for example one of the things that I do um, when it comes to the finals is I look through the stats of all the players and I do it by the numbers um, assessment of, of their performance throughout their career this year this tournament mm-hmm. to show that there's some analysis that goes in and it's not just uh, you know eating in the sc- yes. croissant you have to put on display your critical thinking uh, yeah. capacity you know. it's, it's like being it's <laughs> like an exam in, in, a, in a way yes and it's and, and also So, you know, another thing too, when you do get accepted, it doesn't necessarily mean that you get accepted to be here from the beginning to the end. Yeah, my first two, my first two years, for example, at the French Open, I got I got accredited only for one week at first, and I was told at the end of the first week, you will see, you bring us uh, a dossier or like a little, you, you bring us what you've written this week so far. So they want to make sure that I'm not there for for the whole first week, and I just write one or two pieces, and that's Correct. it. No, they want to see everything that I wrote uh, so far. So I had to p- actually print them out, and I put them in some sort of a do- like a binder, and I turned it over to them. And then they said, "Okay, we'll contact you." And and that afternoon, or if I don't remember if it was the next morning, Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, I got an email saying, "You've been approved. Come and get your second week extension." And after that first uh, approval. The next year, same thing happened. It, it, that didn't give me the guarantee to get two weeks next year either. So I actually had to do that two years in a row. And then if starting the third year, I've been getting accredited yeah. for, for, the, for the full t- I mean, duration. The first year I came, I, I came for a different site. But then the first year I applied as Britwatch, I only applied for the first week. Uh, sadly, I'd had a, a bereavement that year and I had stuff to do. But exactly as you say, at the end of that first week, Dante Leconte, who's, who's the media manager, came up to me, put a hand on my shoulder and said, um, you, I haven't received your, uh, your work yet. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I do, one of the things that I was taught very early on was to make a tear sheet, a list of everything that you do, so that on the last day, you put your last thing in and you send it off and you're like, this is the content that I pr- produced for you. Yes. So I had that already, um, but I was like, well, you know, I, I have to go home. I'm, I'm on the Eurostar on Monday morning. She goes, well, because... I would have given you your extension. She would have given Chris. Chris, and let me just say, Tennis Now has um, a coverage that, that, that we, we can't even come close to matching. Yes. Um, and even they only got one week for the first week that they'd applied. Right. You know, So even if you are a very well-established site with huge numbers, that's not a guarantee that you're going to get two weeks straight oh, off absolutely. the bat. Absolutely. You know, the, the example I gave about Tennis Now is a great example. And, and, and the example that I just gave now about myself, that, that's, for a tur- that's for the largest Turkish tennis publication in Turkey. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the largest sense publication of a country. Now, granted, there are no Turkish players in the main draw. Very rare. So, but, but, the, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I, I still represent the largest publication yeah. in, in a country. And yet... It took you two years. It took me two years. And, and while we're talking on that, let's not, um, let's not forget that, you know, w- both of us have what you would call a niche sites so ours is sport in general but Brits in particular and it's often a long-standing joke of oh mate well when all the Brits are gone you're going to go home next week mm. and you're right you you end up having to um, demonstrate that you know once all the Brits go out you are then capable of applying the same kind of um, volume and focus to Care the rest of the match to, yes. to other countries mm-hmm. and not just your own when everybody goes and normally I mean you know goodness like Roland Garros has been such a disaster for us in the past mm. everybody goes out in the first week mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's worth thinking that... Of course, about you know, I write for, I also now write for the last couple of years for, for, for an American tennis website, Tennis with an Accent, which is, which is on a smaller scale. We're grown, but it's on a smaller scale. So it, so it goes right into what you were saying earlier. 
and uh, and yes, you know, we're we're having to look for niches, or we're having to provide the type of tennis coverage that perhaps our, our at least loyal followers will enjoy, and hopefully will grow little by little. You know, because it's it's hard to compete with, um, and 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 we're not necessarily competing with them either. It's just hard to. Uh, uh, to write about a variety of mm. topics, also non-tennis related, that may happen in a tournament, yeah. and 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 be able to cover that with the kind of resources that uh, small sites have. And I mean that leads us into our, our sort of next point of staying ahead of the game. Um, you know, I remember going to uh, a Davis Cup, and the LTA very kindly, if you go away, will take you out for dinner as a thank you for schlepping all the way to Croatia in this point. And I was sat with one of the uh, guys from the uh, more traditional press who was somewhat quizzical about, you know, why do I do all this stuff? Why do I do all this social media? Why do I do all these podcasts? Why, 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 why? And it's like, because we need to have something that differentiates us from, from yes. everybody else. Now, everybody does podcasts. Um, you know, we try and do something slightly different, a smaller podcast that you can have with a coffee break, hence tournament and a tea break. Um, but it also adds to the diversity. I mean, I love learning new things so now as a result I know how to sort of cut things on SoundCloud I've had to learn to love audacity hint I haven't actually learned to love audacity at all um, <laughs> and you know working on Premiere Pro to stitch together stills um, because we have a contract with Getty we have a, a contract with Jimmy 48 tennis photography and you know we stitch together their photos well, in it, for, it adds for to your thing. bag of tricks that Absolutely. you carry around or to Absolutely. your skills to your dexterity in, in carrying out a, 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 what you're doing and you know, it shows when you when you put in a tear sheet with like literally almost a hundred things that you've done in a two week period. You know, it's impressive when you can consider that some people come in, will write about one match, and then you know figure out what time their dinner reservation is. You know, I don't begrudge them that. I mean, they're they're lucky; they have a, a paid job, and they can they can they can do that. But we can't. Plus, also, I'm a very firm believer in that you can't you can't do this job if you're not a fan of the sport because to deal with weather delays and to deal with yes. you know play being cancelled while there's bright sunshine outside yes. and to deal with all of the things that you have to deal with at a slam I don't believe that you could do any of that and well, the to, hours if you didn't love this sport to, to put it into perspective if you have a 9 to 5 job where you don't you, where you can leave after 5 o'clock where you have a 9 to 5 job and you're not enjoying it you turn miserable after a few weeks now imagine if you have a 9am or 8am to 9pm 10pm job which is what we're doing here for two weeks basically if you don't like it, like you said, it's it's, a, it's you're on your way to burning out. It's not possible. Yeah, and I, you, know, you can't do you can't do a productive job. There's a, I, I remember my first uh, Roland Garros where somebody I came in and I just didn't you know, because the French start on a Sunday as well. That throws your body clock out completely. So mm-hmm. I remember saying to somebody, "What day is it?" And they said, "Oh, it's day nine. I went, "No, no, no. What day? Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday?" And they said, "No, it's day nine. And and then when I did my first Wimbledon. You know, I, I don't realise that when you walk in in the morning, you're like, hello, bonjour, or yes. cheerful to everybody. You know, you just walk in and do your thing. Right. And I walked into Wimbledon on day nine of my first Wimbledon and picked up my sheets, as I always did. And the very, very sweet guy on the bed desk was like, good morning. And I was like, morning. Um, and the media manager at the time at Wimbledon went Jesus Christ I tell you something you know it's day nine if someone like Roz can't even be cheerful right right. and I I just shocked it shocked me to a standstill it does shock me to hear this because you are always (laughs) cheerful yeah and I just looked at her and she went normally 
and she said, I, I watch you as you come in, and normally you'll be striding in jauntily, listening to whatever. Energetic. And yeah. you'll, you'll pick up the stuff, and you'll say hi, and be cheerful to my guys and gals, and then you'll head up to your room, um, and then we'll see you later on in, in the day. This is the first time I've ever seen you, where you've barely acknowledged them, you haven't looked up, and you're just like robotically picking up all the bits of paper that you need. That's a minus on your scorecard, Gerard. I know, yes. well, I, I was shocked, and I just remember looking at her in horror. And she right, goes, oh, you no, didn't no, no, realize it, right? It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But she said, but you know, I can tell it's day nine just from your reaction. Of course. So, you know, you do get to, and I bumped into Matt Trelope, um, who's working in the bunker here. Um, and he was the same and we, we, we were walking around and he said oh do you know I've just hit a wall today and it was like it was eight, nine, ten, kind of where you're just so tired mm-hmm. and you just you know every, it's like hunt and peck when you're typing on the keyboard it, yes and and, you get over it but it's tough and then, the, and then there are little things in between too right what, what, if, what if for example your, your job for that day is to write a report on a certain match and, and let's say that match because of the rain delays get postponed get postponed and they have a couple of stops interruptions and then boom you find yourself at 8.30 in the evening when that match ends so after 8.30, you have to write something about that match. And, and if wait you want to include, press. exactly, if you want to include quotes from the players, well, you're going to have to wait for their, um, for their press conferences, which could be 9.30, 9.45, and then you finish your writing. At a, it, it, but j- just so listeners know, uh, I don't know about you, Ross, but uh, and you and and you are and you well, you're one of the hardest workers I know, so I, I can't compete <laughs> with you. you. But but I know that I've left Roland Garros this these past two weeks now at least five or six times after eleven yep. or eleven thirty at night. Yep. So I mean, let me. I've got one word for you, or well, actually five words. Joe Conta versus Gabini Muguruza in Australia that didn't start until the wee small hours of the morning. That's right. I actually got back to my apartment. Um, for uh, breakfast? Well, I got back in <laughs> at about half past five in the morning. Oh, my word. And I, I was actually going, getting dressed for bed and going to bed as people in this apartment block were getting up to go to work. Right. Um, you know, and there's yeah. and it's an apartment block. It's not a hotel, so you can't stick a do not disturb sign on the door. That's correct. So cleaners are out there cleaning the corridors and making up the rooms. It's like service departments. You know, you can't sort of tell them, please, just leave me alone. Right. Uh, oh, it was, <laughs> so you know, so... It, it's it an on stuff. and off slip for a couple of hours uh, that you got. And, yeah. and you know, and the, these things do happen, um, but they do have a cumulative effect. After a while, you do. You know, I do a very good impersonation of a zombie. It has but, to be said. But but someone like you, or someone, or someone like us, if we are one person on site, you see, we have to actually do these things. Yeah. Whereas whereas larger yeah. established. Uh, uh, organizations that send that send someone they can all switch around the, what they have to do if they if they if they can foresee this kind of situation yeah. coming they can move to another match or they can pick up another topic yeah and uh, yeah know, I mean I've been sat with uh, Jonathan Eureka from the BBC who um, can at least call on people in the office to to, to sort out something exactly. if, if he's going to come in late so. exactly whereas you carry your microphone you have to do your, your yeah. recording you have to you know you have to be in there yourself so some of the challenges that we face I mean again part of this thing you know I know that I should do a lot more for example with Instagram Instagram stories and I don't simply because um, you know there's not enough time Steve Flink the great Steve Flink um, just laughed as I was heading out with you saying hey Raz you actually leaving leaving your chair (laughs) you know because nine times out of ten I'm sat beavering away trying to do all this stuff you know I would love to go around and get like loads of pictures of of the stuff and I 
I promise you guys, I'm going to make a much bigger effort at Wimbledon to, to do a lot more things. But we're very restricted. What you don't realise is as, as journalists, we can't do things like live action photography. We can't take match point footage uh, during... Um, during a match, we can't. Right. We certainly can't take and for good uh, reasons, videos. But yeah, yeah we absolutely. Can, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, you know, rights holders have all the rights. Not surprisingly, mm-hmm. we can only take stills. And I bumped into Alex Willis from Wimbledon. Here, she she'd come to Roland Garros and uh, mm-hmm. sort of said, "Oh, you know, what what do I need to know?" We can't even record podcasts on site. We won't be able to record our podcast, Chris Otto and I, until we get back to our our the house right. at around about 11, 12 o'clock. Um, because they won't allow podcasts if you're not the rights holders, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's fine. And we, we you know, we I adapt. Do, we adapt. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't. I do a lot of stuff for Love Sport Radio, yes. um, which means, and I've I've talked to, to Sarah, who's in charge of uh, the media operations in Wimbledon, um, and where 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 our um, writing room is, I just pop out the building um, mm-hmm. through the gates, which there's a, a small gate that's out by the yes, by the broadcasting. Yeah. Um, go outside, do my bits for radio outside and then just come back in again mm-hmm. so you know there are ways and means around it and they you know they know the rules, of course yeah. that people do um, things for lots of different sites they're not they're not naive enough to think that in this day and age they don't well, of course but you have to respect the rules so whilst I'd love to do lots of you know natty little video um, insta stories the most I can do is stuff like when Chris and I are doing the wimble walk up yes. up the hill um, you know, but you adapt. You have to adapt to what's coming down the line yeah. and what you can do. And you have to take into consideration your target audience, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for Tennis with an Accent, for us, for example, and our head editor, Matt Zemek, coordinates this effort. You know, we've got, uh, we've got a pretty good following now. It's growing, but on social media, he coordinates the effort. And we have, uh, we have about three or four people that write. I happen to be here, so we do different things. We take different matches, different angles, but but with all in mind our target audience. And and for us, you know, target audience doesn't come automatically like like big esta- big establishments who just get their, their you know articles already on Google. When you do a search, they're the first ones that come up, or they might have even still printed sur- uh, media circulating around. But uh, but for us, we we're more. Uh, we, we try to target our loyal followers mm-hmm. and maybe perhaps grow it little by little, not look to grow huge at once, but grow it little by little to where everybody that we add into our, into our target audience, into our followers, actually stick with us because yeah. they happen to like the quality coverage that, that we provide. And one of the things that we do um, on, that, on that same ilk is we have a focus group uh, of people all around the world. It's not just Brits. And what, what I'll do every year in the off-season is I'll go to them and I'll be like, okay, well, what worked? What didn't work? What did you like? What didn't you like? And what would you like us to try more of? Um, you know, I realise that you know we, we have a lot of people that do want to see what it's like behind the scenes and do want to get a feel for what a tournament is like. Um, and I know that I need to make the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on that's on me. But but that's fine. It's something that I'm going to um, put some effort into do. So hopefully by the time uh, we get together again at Wimbledon, I'll be uh, a lot more uh, up to sort of doing some of these little bits and pieces. All right. And, uh, you mean you're going to do even more than what you're doing now? Pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. Ross, you're my hero. <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, do... Don't ever think that you you can't get to here if you if you do have a site of your own, but do be aware that it is a lot of hard work. It's not as easy as it looks. And I would recommend to anybody who's who's maybe looking to do this, you you need to first do smaller tournaments just yeah. to get the oh, feel yeah. of it. You know, don't don't just jump into a big tournament. Try to see if you can get uh, accreditation accreditation for a 250 or a smaller, you know, size tournaments, and then maybe a 500. 
and then maybe a premier tier tournament, you know, and, and then, you know, once you get the feel of how it goes, because I, I, see, I see sometimes messages on social media from people who've never done it before, but who love tennis, saying, you know, oh, I can't believe you're not out there watching that match, or I can't believe you're leaving the side at 9 o'clock, there are still matches going on, how can you, how, you know, I love tennis, I, well, I would like to see how much their love remains when, when they've been uh, here from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, and on that seventh day, they're just feeling really tired, and there's a match on court 14, for example, left, and somebody comes and tells her, hey, go watch that match with that with the same enthusiasm you've had the first couple of days before you leave. <laughs> Let's see what they have to say. And, and don't forget, know. it's not just 8 a.m. here. I mean, I've been getting in for 8.30, but I've been getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and doing, and doing a good couple of hours of work, you know, first thing in the morning. Um, quite often with the podcast, I will sit and I will listen back to the podcast, mark down all our visual cues for the YouTube. Um, because my, my Wi-Fi is wet string, that's the other thing. If you're Airbnb and being, you've got no control over the um, quality of the, your surroundings. I, so do, I do not have Wi-Fi where I'm staying in Paris, so I'm, 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 I, it behooves me to stay yeah. here. Furthermore, I do match analysis type of articles, so I need, the, uh, I need the access to the information available on the screens that we have in the media room where we can see the, 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 we can see a breakdown of unforced errors, you know, first serve percentages, et cetera, et cetera, and also maybe perhaps go back and see the replay of certain points that I noted down during the match, saying this was, this was a turnaround point, this is where somebody had a great easy forehand put away, but they missed it, and then it turned around from there. I want to make sure that I'm not just writing from memory of an hour and a half ago, but I'm writing from, you know, I'm checking myself, you know, double-checking myself. Yeah, and, you know, but from the point of view of small tournaments, that's where you that's where you cut your teeth. Um, but one thing to note, I mean, I, I will often be teased by the media staff, by by colleagues, you know, did you even go home, Ros? <laughs> did you did you even go home? You know, you're in the same clothes because I'm often the first one in and often one of the last to leave. But people notice that. People do notice that. And I, I honestly believe that um, in the early days of Britwatch getting their accreditations, a lot of it was down to how I'd worked for other sites and been the first one in and the last one to go. When I, I can remember being in Brisbane when I got the uh, notification that Britwatch had got into Indian Wells of, of, of their own right. Now, Indian Wells, of course, is a combined um, Premier Mandatory and Masters 1000. Yes. I swear to God, I was like flailing in bed, flinging yes. the bedclothes around um, <laughs> when I got it because it's a for wonderful me, event. It's a, it's a mm. great tournament. Mm. It's one of the best tournaments out there. Um, and For I feel sure. the same about Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, those two are two of the best premier mandatories and Masters 1000s I completely to cover. agree. Those are great. And when you get in, I mean, I remember Pete Holterman, who runs Cincy, joking, saying, if there's one thing that makes him regret giving anybody a credential, it's when they're like, oh, my God, I got into Cincy. And it's like, oh, for heaven's sake, you know, I'm not a college. Right. But, <laughs> but it's true. When you get into those tournaments for the first time, you really have a sense of achievement. Um, and then when you get when that leads to getting into a slam, the sense of achievement is is doublefold because you know that you've actually done a lot of good work to to get that far. Yes, yes. So um, you know, don't if you do want to get into this. Oh, the other thing I was going to touch on is that is um, I didn't realise until my first Australian Open in 2016 
Uh, so it was another, another side. But I didn't realise how much people hate the questions that we ask. And somebody that I know was slating all, all journalists for being mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. in a post-match press conference. Yes. And I was, and so I replied back. You know, it's it's actually a post-match press conference. It's not a what is the favourite colour of your underwear conference. You exactly. have to you have to ask questions about the match before you get to the fun stuff about Joe. How's your dog Bono? You can't right. start with that. Yes. Or rather, you can start with that, but you generally won't get asked on for a question ever again. Mm. And you you know you you'll find that you won't ever get asked on for for anything. You've got and to, players remember sometimes um, yeah. you know those people too. Yeah. So you know. It always makes me laugh that you know that these people. If we put them in our shoes, you know, nine times out of ten, we we often joke about it. When somebody who is you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a fan. We all started as fans, but when someone then gets accredited for a site and comes in and sits and asks, yeah, you know, they either sit at the back and they're like a bunny in the headlights and they can't ask anything, or they ask the same questions that we do. No, exactly. <laughs> well, in, it was in 2015, I believe, or 2014, in Cincinnati, which is, by the way, you know, Pete runs a great uh, media room there too. And uh, uh, there was someone I remember um, who I know, whom I knew, followed before, who would always, you know, have something to say about the questions being asked. And and he was there for the first time. And uh, and I remember he was sitting on third or fourth row to to, to when Rafa was having his uh, conference, press conference. And, and he asked the question, and he kind of fumbled the words, but he got the question is, and Rafa qu- didn't quite understand. He goes, what, what do you mean? Me? 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 You, you, you want to know about me? You know, and, uh, and uh, he said, yes, you, how do you end? He goes, uh, and, you know, Rafa immediately put his, his eyebrow up, you know, that famous eyebrow up, and he says, uh, professional tennis, it's how it works, you know, and, and he says something like that, and just a very cliche answer, and I remember him. He was with someone that he knew next to, and he kept on. He kept on trying to justify himself. Well, I, I think I asked a good question, didn't I? But, I mean, well, the, he, 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 did he misunderstand me? Did I not word it correctly? He was trying to keep justifying himself. So it's it's one thing to sit there and say, oh, you know, I can't believe these questions, and it's another thing to find yourself, you know, feet, <laughs> several feet away from these world class, uh, famous players and ask these questions yourself see if oh, you can yeah. put it into the right words you know? and, and don't worry I mean we've all had moments of I mean, course I, I remember saying to a colleague of mine I'm pretty sure that every other question I've asked Andy has I've either had a really incredibly detailed answer or I get his no, not really. And then the, the first time you get that, you're like, oh, my God, he hates me. Oh, my God, the British number one hates me. I don't ever ask another question again. And I actually once asked him, that uh, when everybody was in Rio, I got to uh, interview him one-on-one on the stairs. And mm-hmm. I let um, Craig Gabriel, who does the World Feed Radio, go first. Big mistake, because Craig asked every single question I needed to ask <laughs> about his next match. And I hadn't recorded it, but out of professional courtesy. So I... <laughs> I started and I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry, Andy. I'm just going to have to ask you pretty much the same stuff. And he goes, no, that's okay. And at the end, I kind of chuckled and he went, what's so funny? So I said to him, you know, I spend most of my career thinking that you must think I'm a, a, a ginormous Muppet. And he was like, no, no, not at yeah. all. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're lucky if they do recognize you and see you. I was sat with some Romanians who said, oh, you know, but Simona likes you. And I thought, does she, though? Or am I just this face that she sees occasionally? Um, and, you know, and they, they recognize you, but they, they tolerate you. No, over, over time, players recognize people. Yeah. yeah if you, not, not in one or two tournaments, but over time, yeah. they do. But, I mean, above all, you know, if you do want to do this, then then by all means, do sort of approach small sites, um, 
try and get some uh, experience, see if somebody will put you into a local tournament for you. Um, but remember that the whole point of having someone on site is to do more than just, as you say, one recap at the end of the day. You yeah. really want to be getting good quotes-driven pieces for, yes. for actually being here. The Insta story stuff is, is all well and good, and that's, that's great, but it's, it's really, you know, I, I put somebody into Barcelona, um, and she was there to capture uh, f f David Ferrer's last match. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was able to write about the emotion of that, you know, his whole act of taking off his bandana and putting it on the, t on the tee mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and capturing that for of a reader. And that's, that's what you're looking to do when you, when you go to a site. You know, that's what I try to do for, my, for, the, for the magazine, Tennis Vinyas magazine in, in, in Turkey, for example. In, in my articles, I try to bring alive things that maybe Turkish viewers did, do not get to see on TV. They get to see the match, interviews perhaps, on TV interviews, but they but there are a lot of things that happen here behind the scenes or that they do they, they do not get to see on screen that I try to bring alive in my writings. So and yes, you want to compliment yeah. what they miss. So if you are interested in covering anything locally, then do get in touch. We would uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're we're actually sending a photographer uh, to Nottingham next week, oh, who wanted wanted a chance to to shoot some photography. Wonderful. We've basically given him a very very detailed brief of what we want, um, and it'll be a great opportunity for them to, to get their work. So you know, don't be frightened of um, of applying to some, to sites to go, but do really go prepared to work your little socks off. Exactly. That's, that's all we need to say. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think in the comments. And, uh, and thanks for listening. Thank you.